0: Good morning. How are we doing? Good to see you this morning. We're starting a new series that I'm calling Where You Lead from the Book of Nehemiah. And guess what the series is about? It's about leadership. And the series is entitled Where you lead. But specifically, it's about your area of leadership. And so, really, what I'm trying to say this morning is the series is about you. No, no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstances, you are a leader of some kind. And, and I understand that some of you are are already actively involved in leadership, maybe at your place. Of employment or maybe you're a leader here at our church or maybe at home with your family some of you are here today and you're in the early stages of leadership and maybe God is preparing you for a new phase in your life I also know that, that some of you are here today and you're in leadership roles that you thrive in Right? Like you're doing a great job at leading people. And then there are people here that aren't taking full advantage of their leadership opportunities. Right? Like you could be doing more. You're just kind of coasting. Regardless of your leadership level, there's always room for growth. And one of the greatest needs in the church today, not only in America, but around the world, is leadership. Leadership. Which is true for our church as well. Like we have some great leaders in place here at New Creation Fellowship. But we could always use what? More leaders. Here shortly we're going to be launching our life groups. Pastor Matt talked about them. You can sign up in the youth room. They're going to be starting here in a few weeks. And we have strong leaders that are leading our groups. But most of our groups are full and if we're going to start new groups if we're going to expand that ministry we need what more leaders and that's just one ministry in our church I mean I could talk about children's ministry and worship ministry and youth ministry all could use what more leaders and so we're always looking for gifted committed competent leaders and in this book of Nehemiah, it's kind of the go-to book on leadership. So, so go ahead and take your Bibles out. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. And let me just read you the first 11 verses uh, of the chapter as we get started today. The, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. We're just going to go with that. Now, it happened in the month of Chislev in The 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hananini, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the providence who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are destroyed by fire. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and the awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you amongst the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you're outcast, you are outcast, you're in the uttermost parts of heaven. And from there, I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants, your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. The book of Nehemiah, does not specifically name who wrote it, but both Jewish and Christian traditions recognize that Ezra uh, as the author. And it's based on the fact that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah originally were one book. And in this book of Nehemiah, we see some pretty great characteristics of what it takes to be a great leader, which is the focus of our series. But before we get there, let me just give you a little bit of the backstory here. The, the events of Nehemiah take place in about 446 B.C. This book is one of the history books of the Bible. It continues the story of Israel's return from the Babylonian captivity and the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. It's also the story of a man who came from a humble beginning to accomplish great things for the glory of God. He he was able to recruit a a ton of people to share in, in the vision, to risk their time, their money, their personal comfort, and even their safety, to help Nehemiah pursue this dream, this vision that God had laid upon his heart. Nehemiah was a man of prayer, and he prayed passionately for his people as we just Red. His zealous intercession for God's people foreshadows our intercessor, right? Jesus, who prayed fervently for his people in the high priestly prayer of John 17. And both Nehemiah and Jesus had a burning love for God's people, which they poured out in prayer to God, interceding for them before the throne. Some thousand years after the time of Moses and 400 years before the birth of Jesus. The nation of Israel and the Jewish people were in a desperate state. Their nations were destroyed. First the northern Jewish kingdom of Israel and then the southern Jewish kingdom of Judah. And the city of Jerusalem was completely conquered by the Babylonians and the once glorious outstanding temple of Solomon was destroyed and when the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem they deported almost everybody from the city and the region for like 70 years and Jerusalem was something of a ghost town which had the potential to end up like many ancient cities right just completely forgotten about and left to the history books And when the Jews were deported to Babylon, they began to make homes for themselves there. They settled down, and and many still followed the God of their fathers. right? But they did it from Babylon with no desire to return to the land that that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And some of these faithful Jews were raised up into places of high stature in, in the governments that they were deported to. People like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego became leaders in Babylon. Esther was made queen in the courts of the Persian king. But after 70 years of captivity in Babylon, they were given the opportunity to return to their homeland, right to the promised land. And out of some 2 million Jews deported from the land only 50,000 decided to return to the promised land that's something like 2% and they did return in the days of Ezra and they rebuilt the temple and they laid a spiritual foundation for Israel once again and, and people were returning and they're building houses and businesses were beginning to thrive again. And the temple was rebuilt and rededicated and, and people began to worship there once again. But all was not well. The walls of the city were still in, in, in a pile, which wasn't good. See, a, wall, a city without walls is, is asking to be raided back in those days. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like leaving your car or keys in your car with the windows rolled down and parking it at Northtown Mall. And, you know, like, what do you think's gonna happen? So, so Nehemiah at this time was a slave in, in Babylon, and we'll chat about that in a moment. But all in all, he had a pretty good life going. Yes, he was a slave, that's true, but he also lived in the king's palace. And one day his brother, who had been in Jerusalem, visited Nehemiah and began to tell him about the developments there. And even though Nehemiah hadn't been to Jerusalem, he had this strong emotional connection to the city because it was his heritage. The the land of his ancestors and and maybe even his future home. And so when his brother told him that the walls of the city had not been put back up, something stirred in in the heart of Nehemiah. And I'm going to kind of spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you the end of the story here. Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem and he rebuilds the wall of the city. Right, he starts from scratch as a slave, traveled hundreds of miles to a place he'd never been before, analyzed the problem, faced the criticism and the death threats, and he gets the job done. And the book of Nehemiah tells us how he does it. It's why the book is a great teacher of how to be a great leader. No matter where you are in the leadership spectrum at the moment, you can learn a lot about how to go to the next level. And so today we're going to look at how Nehemiah got started on his mission of rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. The the first chapter shows us what it takes to be a leader. It shows us the kind of person that God is willing to place into a position of responsibility. So our key word for today is willingness. I just want you to put that in the back of your mind. Willingness. You have to be willing to do three things in order to be a great leader. Go ahead and take your note sheets out. You can follow along with me this morning. The the first thing is this, is that you must be willing to become more than you are. Drop all the way down to the last verse in in chapter 1, verse 11, the last part of that verse. It it says, now I was a cupbearer to the king. Do you know what that job is? Being a cupbearer. It, it, it's a taste tester. Right? He's the guy who drinks the king's wine before the king drinks it. So that if by chance it's poison, the cupbearer dies and not the king. Right? Now there's good things and bad things about that job. Right? Job was typically given to a slave who is considered to be trustworthy. Nehemiah fits the job description. Being a cupbearer means he was close to the king. He enjoyed making good money. He, it was an easy life for all intents and purposes. As long as nobody had it out for the king, right? As long as nobody like drops a brunt of fentanyl into his wine, we're good. And as a slave, he didn't have much responsibility And was not in a position of authority and his job was simply to serve the king in this one capacity. So Nehemiah could have lived his whole life just riding the good life, right? Taste some wine, taste some food, it's all good. Here we go. Living in the king's palace. But it wasn't good enough for him. When he heard about the disgrace of Jerusalem, his heart was stirred and he decided to do something about it. And even though he was a slave and even though he had an easy life and even though he he had not been to Jerusalem and and the problems of a far off city really didn't affect him personally that much. He decides to what? I'm going to get involved. Here's my point. Anyone can be a leader. Anybody can make a difference. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter what your experience level is or, or what your resources are. You might be like a slave whose primary responsibility on the job is to die before your boss dies. And yet, you can become an effective leader. If you're willing to become more than what you are right now. That's the kind of person that God can use. J.C. Penney, founder of the department store. You remember those before we shopped online? We actually went to like a department store. J.C. Penney said this. He said, give me a stock clerk with a goal and I'll give you someone who will make history. Give me someone with no goals and I'll give you a stock clerk. (laughs) In other words, right? Are you ready to stretch yourself? Or are you ready to go beyond where you are today? Requirements of effective leader. It's not who you are today. It's all about who you're willing to become. Remember the story of David and Goliath? How God used the shepherd boy to defeat the enemy of of Israel. That shepherd boy eventually became the greatest king in the history of Israel. God said that David was a man after his what? His own heart. And even though everything in his background and his upbringing should have pointed to him and prepared him to live a life of a farmer. David wanted more and God wanted so much more for David. See, God can use you when you're willing, when you are willing to prepare your heart in, in devotion to God, willing to study, to learn what needs to be learned, willing to sacrifice, willing to take chances. If you're willing to become more than you are today. Secondly, in order to be an effective leader, you must be willing to have a broken heart. Nehemiah. His brother comes uh, to visit him at the king's palace and he explains that the city of Jerusalem was in trouble and it's not going well. And the wall's down and, and the gates have been destroyed. And Nehemiah cared deeply about the city and about those who lived there. And he didn't want Jerusalem to be a disgraceful place. And in recent times they had made some improvements to the holy city and it broke Nehemiah's heart to think about how these achievements could be wiped away just by an invading army. It broke his heart that nobody living there thought about rebuilding the wall to keep those that were living there safe. Now, like these people are just oblivious to the danger and apathetic towards the responsibility of getting anything done. Verse 4 says this, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah, he mourns for days. God was going to use Nehemiah to do something about the situation. But first, God did something in Nehemiah. See, any great work of God begins with God doing a great work in somebody. God began to prepare Nehemiah. And with Nehemiah's important position in the palace and with a heart curious about the welfare of Jerusalem and its people. But there's no way that Nehemiah could do this alone. Right? He had to be a leader. And by that I mean one who influences other people to get this job done. Since leadership is influence, leadership applies to everyone. And as I said earlier, everyone has an area of leadership in some way. Each of you here today is a leader. The question is, is are you an effective leader or not? Leaders just need to prepare themselves for difficult work because it's not easy. Right there, there's no winning without warfare. There's no opportunity without opposition. And there's no victory without vigilance. For whenever the people of God say, let's arise and build, Satan says, let's arise and oppose. Right? We we know that here at our church, don't we? We understand. We've lived that with our building project. We, We get that Satan is alive and well and opposes what God's people have set out to do. That being said, leaders must have a big vision and Nehemiah had one. Nehemiah is like he's gonna, God's going to work through me. God, God's going to correct a problem that's been around for 150 years. Nehemiah says, through me, God's going to do something that completely failed before. That, that's not arrogance, that's leaning on God to do more than what we can even imagine. And we must have a vision and a goal that only God can accomplish. And then Nehemiah was fasting and praying. Nehemiah's reaction went beyond the immediate emotion. And, and many times maybe a concern might flood over us and, and then it passes. I, I think if it's from the Lord, it'll stay with us and it'll grow until we have to act upon it. We should also note here that, that what Nehemiah did not do. He, he didn't complain. He didn't whine. He, he, he didn't say, you know, let's see who could fix the problem. He immediately did what he knew he could do pray and and intensely seek God for the solution and Nehemiah also had a clear understanding of whom he fasted and prayed to there were many gods that people trusted but only the God of heaven who can really meet our needs and so what breaks your heart this morning right is the Seahawks losing (laughs) is that what it is Right? Is it losing the golf game? Okay, quit talking about me, all right? When, when you miss your favorite show, when, when you can't go on vacation. And, and I'm just thinking this morning maybe we should think beyond those things. Maybe we should think about something that touches our heart, that causes us to lose sleep at night. And for me, I got to tell you, it's you guys, right? It's the church, it's this local body of believers. And and i got to tell you, there have been times that I lose sleep over what's happening here at our church. And I'm not going to go into the details, but most of you know, right? In the response to the news about Jerusalem, Nehemiah said, verse 4, that he mourned for days and he prayed before the God of heaven. He couldn't just forget about it. He couldn't just ignore it. He prayed and he fasted and he cried see the more time we pray about our God giving us a mission in life the stronger the resolve to do something about it well which brings us to our next point this morning God uses those who are willing to have a broken heart but a broken heart's not enough number three this morning you must be willing to be a catalyst and here's what I mean by that it's somebody who knows how to get things done Right? A catalyst takes action and responsibility for making it happen. Like, it's easy to identify the problem. It's easy to propose a solution. And man, I hear it all the time. We have to do this ministry or we have to do that ministry. Or why doesn't NCF do this? Or why doesn't NCF do that? We should have this conference or that problem. Whatever. Right? It is easy to propose the solution or recommend a course of action. Like, like, I, anybody can do that, right? We have more ideas than you can shake a stick at. But we only have a handful of people who are willing to make it happen. Right? That's the hard part. It's what Nehemiah did. After the days of mourning and praying... In his prayer, he says this in verse 6 Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, that I now pray before day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which have sinned against you. Even I and my Father's house have sinned. Before I talk about what he prayed about, let me just say this about prayer prayer is essential to leadership. If your vision is so big that only God can accomplish it, obviously we must pray. If prayer isn't absolutely necessary to accomplish the vision, then the goal, quite frankly, isn't big enough. It appears that Nehemiah prayed for four months before he did anything. Later, when the work of the rebuilding of the wall actually began, it took him 52 days to finish the job. A 52-day project had a four-month foundation of prayer. Now look at Nehemiah taking responsibility. Good leadership avoids excusing ourselves in the confession of our sin. Right? We should never say, Lord, if I sin, or Lord, I'm sorry, but you know how hard it was on me? Right? Should never. Nehemiah plainly and simply confesses sin. Without any attempt at excusing it. Nehemiah accepts his role in the disaster. He also said, God, I'm asking you to make this situation right. And, and then he says this, use me to do it. And he goes on to pray, verse 11. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And, and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. And give success to your servant today. And grant him mercy in the sight of this, of this man. And from here, Nehemiah takes action. He pours out his heart to God. He approaches the king. He travels hundreds of miles. He endures opposition. He puts in long hours. He pays the price. And then he made it happen. And he got the job done. Nehemiah was going to do something about the sorry state of Jerusalem's walls. And he knows without God's intervention, he can do nothing. And then he says, let your servant prosper this day. This is a prayer of a man of action. He's not a sideline critic. Nehemiah doesn't pray, God, make it all better, or God, get somebody else to work on this problem. Instead, his prayer is, God, use me to make it better. And God uses people who are willing to be used. Right? It's really the bottom line. It's where leadership starts. doesn't matter where you are right now. It matters Who you're willing to become? How how much do you care? How much uh, of your heart are you willing to give? How much are you willing to do to make God's mission in your life happen? God can, and He has used us here at New Creation Fellowship to do great things for the kingdom. But it all boils down to our willingness. So, so that's a challenge for you this morning. That's a question that I have for you this morning. It's simple: Are you willing? Are you willing? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word today. And God, I pray for your spirit to to lead our church each step of the way as we seek to do your will. And God, I ask that you would guide our decisions and turn our hearts to deeply desire you above all else. And God, I pray that you would give each of us here today an understanding of your wisdom. Right, that, that we would just know your will. That, that we would hear your voice. And that we would follow your ways. God, we just want to be the leaders that you want us to be. So give us a broken heart. Give us a broken heart for what you would have us as a church to do in our community today. Give us the strength to stay the course. And not to be easily distracted. God, I pray that we would have a close walk with you each and every day. It's in Jesus' name I pray.